I know this is so corny to say, but I'm like a big empath. So like, just stop, <laughs> Ely, stop. I'm going to run out this room and jump off a bridge. Okay, but I've been saying you know it the for tics- a long I know, oh, I she's know. She's been saying it for I a know. long time. As an empath, I feel that you're laughing right now. <laughs> stop, I can't with you. Cheers. Happy Cheers. New Year, Zach. New Year, new me, baby. Just kidding. Is this our first <laughs> time recording in 2022? Yes, it is. <laughs> How was your How New Year's? Oh my gosh, it was so relaxing. Oh yeah, lick that foam. It was so relaxing. <laughs> I literally, so Shuri was at boarding. She slept over at her daycare and they had like a fun little thing with the dogs and mommy got <laughs> to clean the whole apartment it was so relaxing and then i took a nice hot shower and i bought a bottle of wine i bought a package Ooh, of oreos i bought some work. chocolate chip cookies and my favorite dinner and i watched two harry potter movies work. and i just drank late in bed it was so relaxing i facetimed you oh that's nice. true wait <laughs> did you make it to midnight Oh yes. And uh what which Harry Potter films did you watch? I watched the first two. I infamously hate all the Harry Potter movies, uh, yeah. but the first two are the only ones that are like remotely accurate to the book, and that's not saying much. Um uh, uh, <laughs> so I like the first two. <laughs> Work. I'm glad you had mm-hmm. a good New Year's week. We're kind of yeah, like what did- diametrically opposed New Year's. <laughs> well, not entirely. Not entirely. But- you didn't go like out out. No, we did not go out out because Miss Omicron continues to be a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Nick and I, we got an Airbnb cottage in Gordonsville, Virginia, oh, nice. which is, it's like, it was two hours away from DC, two hours Southwest. Um, and we thought it would be like, cause we were driving past like quite a few, I guess, like hickish towns <laughs> with like Trump signs and whatnot. And we thought, oh. oh well, I mean, what did we expect? But when we got mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, we took, we had to walk Sasha and stuff. So we took little walks through Gordonsville, not a single Trump sign or thin blue line in sight. Okay. Um, the people we ran into were very friendly. Um, so it was a good, cute little town. And we just, we got lots of alcohol, brought it to the cottage. And um New Year's is one of the few times a year I allow, I like actually allow myself to get drunk. Um, I, I can attest to that. <laughs> I did better than last year though. Cause last year I infamously FaceTimed seven people that on is, New that's Year's very Eve extra. That was and very like extra. cried and told them how much I love them, including you. Um, but this year you were the only one I FaceTimed. So uh, I did better. I'm I did, honored. Yeah. I did call my dad and my well, mom that's was acceptable. Sh- Calling yeah, your parents I, is acceptable. I was shocked that my mom was awake. I didn't call her till like 1230 and she was still up. Um, <laughs> was she with her boyfriend? Yeah, he was sleeping. She didn't want to oh, talk long. He, but, he was sleeping too. Yeah, yeah but I, <laughs> I even made it till Midwestern New Year's because, you know, part of my heart is in the Midwest. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick started dozing around that time. And I have videos of me like, I, I'll have to text them to you because I don't know if I've done this, but there's a video, there's like a two minute video I took of me blasting in my feelings by Drake and like singing in Nick's face as he's sleeping on the couch. You are so funny. <laughs> and this is like 1 30 in the morning. 
<laughs> and he was like, literally, why did I do that? <laughs> it's it's one of the funniest things. And then there's one. I, yeah. And there's another video I think I actually posted on Instagram where I was blasting Level Up by Sierra and he's still laying down, but he's awake. So you can hear him like half awake trying to sing along. So, you know, like when she says all the sauce so yummy mm-hmm. in the background, you can hear Nick going, ah, sassy, yummy, ah, sassy, yummy. <laughs> he's gonna be so mad you're telling all of this to the public no he doesn't care i posted all of our fans people have seen it everyone's a big fan it's super cute but anyway had a good time had some dope fried chicken at this place in the little main street area okay Mm -hmm. dang we were trying to figure out if it was black owned because they had black eyed peas on the menu which according to nick is a very like black thing that is, I, they gotta be black owned or yeah. just very, oh, oh. girl for reference. She's pouring this, this beer is very foamy beer. Super foamy. It looks like a milkshake, Ely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, happy new year. Let's happy hope this new one's year. a little better than the last, but last year wasn't that all bad. It was, it was, it was, not, it was okay. <laughs> it was not bad for us, but for the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> A tough time for the world. But you know what else happened last year? We consumed a shit ton of media because Mm -hmm. it is time. We're going to be talking about our favorite media of last year, 2021. It's going to be like a big, super mega media moment, 2021 edition. Mega media moment. Mm -hmm. You got to call that. You got to call the episode that. (laughs) Oh, I will. Uh, so yeah, we're not talking about any news this episode. Luckily, like not a lot really happened last week. We got kind of lucky. We're not really missing out except RIP to Betty White. Love that bitch. Yeah. Oh my God. Very sad. But other than that, not much that I can recall. So we're in the clear. We can just talk about media. (laughs) So so I believe this is how it's going to go. We're going to do film first which i will spearhead and then we'll do music which ely will spearhead and then we'll do television which i will spearhead and then books which ely will spearhead and then we'll yes. contribute to each little list as we go along mm-hmm. so are you ready to start with film are you ready kids <laughs> yeah i live for this this is like my super bowl oh my god I'm, okay i'm very excited for you Okay, so here's the lowdown with the film list. I have my top 15 favorite films. I rank them like this is an order that I am, I believe in and I'm all for. And then I have some honorable mentions, which I'll mention first. And then I have a couple of superlatives because maybe there's some not great pieces of media I also want to find time to bring up. So let's start with the superlatives, I think. First, we have Biggest Surprise. This is actually a tie between okay. West Side Story, which <laughs> I I feel like West Side Story would have actually made my top 15 if it weren't for Ansel Elgort, because he really brings the film down since he's like That's the so second character. Yeah, it's just they could have cast any well, not anyone else. Well, but, like, you know. I mean, yeah, they could have. But the thing is, on top of him being a sexual predator, he's like also not good at acting. Come on now. Yeah. Great singer, not a great actor. So, but the film itself, as you know, um, I was very surprised by, by the way, 
a good chunk of this list have been my media moments on this podcast before. So those entries, I won't go too into detail with because I've already talked about them. So yeah. don't worry, people, I won't get repetitive. Uh, and the other tie to my biggest surprise is Clifford the Big Red Dog, which I've also talked about. <laughs> I it, hate it, that. It could have been so bad, but it was delightful and it made me cry. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Uh, most disappointing. Here's where we're going to have some interesting discussion it's also a tie uh last night in soho i also talked about this you were upset it was so good for like the first two acts of it it was so good and the third act just ruined it and it's gotten to the point where i like i can't even think about it positively because of the ending i'm just oh like God. would so you stupid. watch it again or has it like tainted your whole viewing experience do you think i would watch it again now that i have context but i feel like it would yeah. make it less pleasant because now i i know the framing of it and how it's going to conclude yeah. and i just don't think it's going to hold up so it's just this the, stylistically it's wonderful and the performances are great but just in terms of story it's a real letdown speaking of a letdown of a story this is where we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit my other half of the tie for most disappointing is Don't Look Up, which recently released on Netflix, directed by Adam McKay. Yes. And uh, Ely finally watched this last night, and I'm really glad she did because we need to talk about this film. Yeah, I, I definitely do. <laughs> so since I haven't heard your opinion yet, I want you to give me your lowdown on this first. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I just want to make this absolutely abundantly clear. Both of us are fully aware that this is a satire. Like, I get it. It's trying I to know. be. <laughs> yeah. But was it executed well? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have so many little things. Um, I think the cameos were just too much. Like, I could have. I think it was really cool that they got so many people to sign on to this project. And I think they probably did a really good job at, like, pitching it. And then when the time mm -hmm. came and they were, like, working on it, I... I'm sure some people were like, okay. Um, like, okay. I, I think Meryl Streep and um, Jonah Hill were awesome. They oh, really? were great. I did not like Jonah Hill. He had nothing to do. I know, but I thought he did a good job of like playing the super unlikable character. Like True. I, I think he's, um, he, I think he's really good in this movie, but I could have done without Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi. Like, they felt so on their yeah. song was like funny, but like I could have done without they could have they could have put two nobodies in there and it would have still mm -hmm. done this. It would have it wouldn't have mattered. Um, I think Jennifer Lawrence was actually surprisingly good. And Leonardo DiCaprio had some really good moments, too. But I just think that like like Chris Evans did not need to appear like the cameos were too much like that. It took away from like the message. I think I think this I think this was a really good idea but it just did not execute well. And then I will say this, I was talking to my friends about this movie last night and Alex, shout out to Alex. I know you're, you might her. be listening. I told her <laughs> I was going to say this because she said it perfectly. And again, I just want to repeat, I know this is a satire, <laughs> but she said this felt like a two hour long SNL skit. And I was like, okay, wait, yeah. actually like, yes. Like the celebrities were there. The comedy was there, which is fine. That's oh, what I was, was going to say. It, it wasn't funny. <laughs> okay. And, but then also like the societal commentary was there and it was clear and it made sense. And I got what they were saying, but it just like, wasn't a artfully, like it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like this film is like fundamentally flawed because, well, first of all, 
I want to acknowledge that it's very difficult to do political satire like post Trump. It it's hard because some of the occurrences during the Trump era are feel like satire already. Like what I listened to this film podcast and uh, Alonzo Duralde, I forget what he was talking about, but he was like, uh, you could write the Trump presidency and put that script on a Hollywood agent's desk and they would still be like, uh, do you really think this would happen? <laughs> so in the age of Trump and post-Trump, it's difficult, but it's like this movie is not even funny to me. Like I didn't, the only thing I laughed at and I laughed at pretty hard was the running gag about the snacks and how Jennifer Lawrence was charged for the snacks. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was funny because it was so bizarre and it would come it up like every so 40 small. minutes. Yeah. 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 But, I will say I didn't think it was funny. Um, I mean, like I thought it was goofy, but yeah, it didn't but, make me like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And that's not very difficult, y'all. <laughs> and then there's just the whole thing of like, and I, I know the movie business, like it's a business. They're trying to make money, but they, they poured millions of dollars into this movie that's supposed to like wake us up it's like how much of that money could have gone towards nonprofits? okay wait this is something else i wanted to talk to you about again i know this is a satire but the whole like stock footage the stock footage montage at the end with the comets hitting the earth like that i was like this is netflix like (laughs) yeah like i i liked the idea of that like showing so many different aspects of like life on earth but like it was so bad that I was like, y'all really? You could have done something a little bit nicer. I know y'all have a lot of money. I know y'all have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm taking my socks off because my I also could have done without the whole like last like three minutes of the movie. That was just like that, that to me did not even keep with the tone of the rest of the movie. Like it just was so out of pocket. I was like, Okay. <laughs> I could have done without a lot of it. It just was so, that's why it's my most, or it's tied for most disappointing because it had so much promise. Like I've enjoyed Adam McKay's recent films, like The Big Short and Vice. I like his new style of like cutting political filmmaking, but I think with something this broad and obviously the comet or the meteor is a metaphor for climate change slash COVID even, but it's just... <laughs> You know, I think what summarizes my problem with this movie too is all over my TikTok feed, you have these like Gen Zers that think it's like the deepest shit they've ever seen. And I can't tell you how many comments I've seen where people have been like, if you don't like this movie, it's only because you're one of the groups that it's targeting. And it's like, no, no! Like, that's not what valid criticism is. Right. No. Like, and that's the thing that makes me disappointed about it is that like, I think the idea of this even like the plot, like I think is really strong and like super good and very necessary, but the execution just wasn't that good. I also felt like it was a little corny. I don't know. Yeah, no, the only part of it I really enjoyed was, uh, I mean, of course, Leo is a great actor. I think he was a little miscast, but I still thought he did a great job. And his best scene and the best scene in the whole movie is when he finally cracks because the whole thing is like Jennifer Lawrence's character cracks early. Yeah, Yeah, it was was giving like, it was giving like Peter Finch's iconic I'm mad as hell monologue from network. That's mm. a very like film nerdy thing, but it, it was given that and he did a great job. But other than it that good. flop did not enjoy that film. Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys, I wanted to like this movie so bad. I was so Me too. excited, but yeah. sometimes those like big celebrity packed movies are just not that great. 
Nope. And speaking hmm. of celebrities and packed movies, my dishonorable <laughs> mention. So don't look up is probably my my second least favorite film of 2021. My least favorite wow. film, my dishonorable mention is fucking Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. That oh my God, shit. I forgot about <laughs> Burn my eyes, made my ears bleed, complete trash. You know what was the funniest thing? I watched that movie on HBO Max with my brother and after it was over, he goes, wow, it's going to be hard to decide which one was better. And I was like, <laughs> wait, wait. And I said, you think so? And he was like, no. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Oh boy, I was worried for a second. He I mean, like thought about it and then he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. The first movie is not great, but it's no, it's but just, it's like, it's, it's not it's a commercial, cute. right? This, you're right. this was, was a commercial. This was literally like Warner brothers being like, look at all the properties we own, but they didn't even do it in a clever way. Like, like the Lego movie, Warner brothers implements their That's properties, true. but that in a was more fun, clever fashion. And this way it's like, like for instance, there's a moment when they go into like the quote unquote DC world and it's like the animated DC. And I grew up watching like the animated Batman, Superman, Justice League shows. They didn't yeah. even do it in like the style of those shows. So yeah. it's like, if you're trying to go for nostalgia, what the fuck are you doing? They're it not. wasn't funny. The Like the Looney Tunes are barely in it. It's like the You're LeBron right. James show. It was so, yeah, it was just overall. Don Cheadle good. is cringe in it. It was Don so bad. Don Cheadle was so cringe. Oh so my God, cringe. it was so bad. Some of the, the stuff he would say, I was like, literally, what? Oh my God. And it's like, once you get to the Porky rap in the third act, then I started disassociating. I think I actually <laughs> sent you a Snapchat when I was watching that part. I was like, I'm fucking done with this movie. Awful. Mm. yeah not good at all i want to know what is that movie like what is what are the ratings like i don't know i'm just glad i didn't pay extra for it because it was on hbo max as well yeah. as theaters oh my god imagine going mm. to the theaters and watching that I, coming I, out I, I wouldn't have gone wait probably. it has two stars oh no <laughs> what oh, are you looking on. at on imdb it has um oh it has 4.4 that's good. like higher so than i thought is. to be honest well most things on imdb get like six or seven because it's true know, it's just people, people. <laughs> anyway don't want to talk about that anymore my mm -hmm. last superlative before we get to the honorable mentions yeah. i have best part of a movie that's not on this list <laughs> meaning i didn't hate the movie i didn't love the movie enough for it to be even an honorable mention but i needed to mention parts of it and i actually wouldn't say this is a tie but i have a runner-up Okay. So my runner up for the superlative is Florence Pugh and Black Widow because she was I fucking love stand out a stand out. She's phenomenal as I feel like this is us living like Tom Hiddleston making his like first appearance as Loki like this is us reliving that where they're like supposed to be a side character but they just like completely steal the show and you're like I'm here for them. I sure hope so. She's just iconic but you know who's more iconic. So No Time to Die, Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. It was fine. It was entertaining. I saw it in Dolby, so that helped. But in terms of his five films, I think it sits squarely in the middle in terms of quality. But Anna de Armas in this movie, fucking Ooh. incredible. She's okay. not in it I never saw long. this movie. Uh, just when it whenever like her scenes pop up on the internet like there's a whole scene in cuba that's the only part of the movie she's in oh. she just fucking killed she's so good at playing like innocent but intelligent at the same time and 
I also really admire, I don't know how they did this, but she's wearing this like super like revealing <laughs> slit satin dress, but they never do like an upskirt shot. She's like flipping around and punching people and it's never like gratuitous. So I oh. loved that. Um, she holds her own alongside Daniel Craig in terms of partnership. I just thought she was incredible and I lived for those scenes and they made me even gayer than I am today. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Anna de Armas. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Anyway, let's get to the list finally. Okay. Finally. So I have five honorable mentions that I'm not going to go into any detail with really, but okay. um, my first one is Luca. Oh. It was, I, I thought I was going to like it, but the ending I liked a lot and it made me put it as my last honorable mention. How sweet. Zola, that movie about the Twitter thread. Oh, you liked that? I I didn't love it as much as a lot of critics have been loving it. And I think it's because I don't like the ending. I think it has a non-ending, but everyone's really good in it. And it's oh, okay. a very interesting tale. Interesting. So I put that on here. Shang-Chi, mm -hmm. very much enjoyed, very entertaining. Shang-Chi is one of the films on my list. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There will be more Marvel movies in the actual list. Don't you worry. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Undine, which is Christian Petzold's follow-up to Transit, which was one of my favorite films a couple of years ago. Basically, it's about it's a German film about a mermaid, and that's all I'll say. But it was it was really good. And my last honorable mention, it just got squeezed out literally at the last moment. Squeezed out. Yeah, is uh, Candyman 2021, which mm. I really loved, and it's actually first of all it's confusing because it's a direct sequel to the original Candyman, so it should have been called like Candyman colon i don't know Candyman colon. The, i don't know but it's it's a direct sequel to the first one and i went back and watched the first movie after i saw Candyman 2021 um but it's just it's just really great and really suspenseful and disturbing naya da costa she's her next film is going to be uh captain marvel 2 or i think they're calling it the marvels now the very Marvels. interested to see what she does with that film me too because i didn't really like the first captain marvel <laughs> yeah me neither um uh, <laughs> okay so my actual list here we go okay so at number 15 the film that squeezed out Candyman at the last minute and i mean literally the last minute because i watched this film today um <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's called test pattern directed by shatara michelle ford it's her first feature, which is really impressive. Um, but it's basically a film about a Black woman who gets sexually assaulted. And for most of the film, her and her white boyfriend are driving around looking for a rape kit. And it's very short. It's only 82 minutes, but a lot happens in this 82 minutes. You even get like some flashback scenes at the beginning of their relationship. But I just thought this was a really interesting movie about a lot of things like the failures of the American healthcare system. Like th there's a scene where she goes and gets uh, like blood drawn and everything. And after all that, they tell her they don't have any rape kits. She has to go somewhere else, but she still has to pay like $1,300 basically for nothing. Um, it's about like, there's a another really interesting scene where her boyfriend wants to just call the police and she reacts very negatively to that because of her, you know, her anxiety as a black person. So I think it's about like what it is to be a black woman in the healthcare system as well. And also just the question of like 
as a survivor of sexual assault, is it even worth going through all the trauma of like getting a rape kit, maybe even going to trial, like living it over and over again? Is it worth doing that over just like trying to forget? Yeah. Well, that's like, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Um, Brittany S. Hall is the, it plays Renisha, the woman at the center of this. And I thought she was great. She's also stunning. Like I, I was watching it and I was low key, like they should cast her a storm because she would be like a great storm. Oh, really? Yeah. She almost looks like a young Angela Bassett, like Angela Bassett in like the nineties. She was fantastic. So shout out to her. A very great film. Um, Number 14 is Eternals directed by Chloe Zhao. Oh, so Eternals did make the top list. It did make the top list. I, we already talked about this a lot, so I'm not going to go into it, but I thought it was great and haters need to stop hating. Okay. Wait, (laughs) I actually am a little shocked that this is in your top list for them. Really? Top list because the more that I've like had time to think about Eternals, honestly the less that I kind oh, of oh no like, yeah the, the more that I think of, like I did I, I I will say I don't hate it as much as people like on the internet have been hating it but the more that I think about it the more that I'm like some of the critiques of it are like pretty valid and like like I I think for an intro movie to like these characters it was just too much like there were too many characters for an intro movie and even though like some of them, sorry, spoiler alert, some of them do get killed off. <laughs> it's it's still like, it's a lot. And so I'm just, I'm not like disappointed in it. Like, I think it was fine, but I'm like interested to see what they keep doing with these characters because we don't really know anything about any of them. Like in the same yeah. way that how you would get to know like characters who get like their own solo film, you know? So I mean, I don't know. There were, there was, there was other things, but I was just kind of like, yeah, I think the biggest critique is that it was just like too many people and too many things going on for one movie. And I think I kind of agree with that. (laughs) That's interesting. I think I, the more I think about it, I I really like its big ideas. Like I like how it feels epic in, in the emotional sense, like Avengers Endgame is epic in a traditional sense, but Eternals, it's like, spans thousands of years and is like cosmic and uh (laughs) i really liked that and i really liked a lot of the performances and the representation uh the action scenes when they do happen i thought were they were great yeah Uh, yeah there were there were a lot of things to be enjoyed i do think that everybody giving it so much hate on the internet is like way too dramatic but i mean some of it is pretty valid can you hear sherry yeah what's she doing She's ripping something up. I also just realized that she hasn't eaten dinner yet, so that's probably why she's. Do you need to feed her, or well, if you want to like keep going, I'm listening. Like I can hear you if I move. Yeah. Okay, I'll keep going. Number thirteen is Lamb, directed by Valdimar Johansson. (laughs) His first film, which is cool. I don't know how we got funding for this movie because there's like special effects involved and shit. But I believe I have also talked about this as a media moment still love that little lamb bitch and it's a very interesting like dark modern folk tale uh so i recommend watching that just brace yourself for that ending wild um (laughs) number 12 is spider-man no way home directed by john watts we literally just talked about this last episode um although maybe not as much as we would have because if i recall sure he had to poo poo but um 
I believe we said enough. It's just a great, like, very crowd pleasing Marvel film. Ely and I both loved it. Stunning. Stunning. <laughs> uh, it's just everything we would have wanted. I mean, yeah, it- this was on my list. My I for those of you who don't know, I you kind of talked about it, Zach, at the beginning, but I'm just giving kind of like short commentary on my favorite movies this year because I'm not as big of a movies film person. But Spider-Man No Way Home was on my list. I just couldn't help it. I was like, this was too good. And the experience overall was just too good to just like not not talk about it again. (laughs) Exactly. Wait, do you have an actual like, like, do you have like a favorite film? Or Um, or should we get to that when I'm done? I do have a favorite film, but I will share it at the end. I have a feeling that it's going to be on your list, but um, I'll share. I'll share my favorite film at the end. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So my next film is... Uh, number 11 is Homeroom, directed by Peter Nix. I've also talked about this in a media moment. It's a documentary about um, a group of high schoolers at Oakland High School during probably one of the most tumultuous school years in history, um, 2019 through 2020. Uh, it's just great. It's still on Hulu, I believe, and it gives me hope for the future. So recommend watching that. Number 10, we're getting to the top 10, is a film I watched yesterday called The Lost Daughter, directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, brother, I mean, brother, <laughs> sister to Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Good now, one. The, this, is, this is also her first film, a very impressive debut. Um I mean, maybe not as impressive because she's been on film sets like most of her life, but still as a director, very impressive. Illy's losing her shit on mute over there. What did I say? It was so dumb that I thought of something else that was dumb that I said like two days ago. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. This is me after I've had like a little bit of beer. (laughs) Okay. Does Shuri have her dinner yet? Okay, she just showed me the bowl. Anyway. It's right here. It's right here. You keep going. You keep going. <laughs> okay, The Lost Daughter. Uh, this film is based off of a book from 2006 by the same name, and it stars Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley and Dakota Johnson. And basically, Olivia Coleman is in her late 40s. She's a professor, and she takes a vacation to Greece. And there's something a little off with her. There's a trauma we learn about as the film progresses it jumps back and forth in time between the present and the past jesse buckley plays her character lita in the past jesse buckley is fantastic in this movie um and i feel like there's not much i can say about it the trailer is a little misleading because i think they're trying to equate it to almost like a gone girl type thriller story and it's not like it's not it's like very tense emotionally but it's not a thriller in the traditional sense you're kind of waiting for the pin to drop and when it does it's more of like a like just an emotional jolt than something you like gasp at but anyway uh olivia coleman is an actress mama Mm -hmm. can act Mm -hmm. this is probably one of my favorite performances of the year she is so good, just her like little subtle shifts and she makes this character feel so whole. And it's like textbook definition of a gray character where there's some really awful things she's done, but you sympathize with her so heavily. 
And I love the ideas that this film is throwing around about like kind of taboo, I would imagine in terms of like regretting parenthood, wanting to like relinquish your parenthood, which is incredibly taboo. Um, and I, I just think you should go watch it. It's on Netflix. Uh, we had to wait an extra month for it to go from theaters to Netflix, but it's there now. And uh, I suspect we'll be hearing more about it come Oscar season, hopefully for Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley. Dakota Johnson is also pretty good. She just doesn't have as much screen time. Okay. And she I'll doesn't say even... Olivia. Oh. oh, Olivia Coleman is in one of my top TV shows. <gasps> oh, it's not okay. a show that came out this year, but oh. it's a show that I watched this year. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, Lost Daughter, love that. Number nine is Spencer, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Uh, this movie just rides or dies on Kristen Stewart's performance, and I think she was absolutely incredible because, as oh you God. know, we already talked about this film, but yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing. I'm like, this is the one movie of the year that I've been telling everybody, to, like people... You know how when you hang out with somebody after you haven't seen them for a long time and they're like, you're like, oh, what have you been what have you been yeah. watching or anything good? Like, I'll be like, go fucking watch Spencer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and of course, I love the queer subtext of Spencer. It's there. It was beautiful. Um, so yeah, if Kristen Stewart better clutch that Oscar, and if she doesn't, it better be if Olivia. If she Coleman. doesn't, I, yeah, I'm mm. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Uh, great film <laughs> not as great as Jackie I think you can compare them because it's from the same director and it's both about historical women uh, but still great obviously it's number nine <laughs> um, okay number eight you ready for this title oh god this is preparations to be together for an unknown period of time directed by Lily Horvat wow uh, this is a Hungarian film and it's a pretty simple premise. Like the hook is this Hungarian neuroscientists, neuroscientist uh, named Marta, I believe, if I remember correctly. She lives in the US for a couple of years. And at this conference, she meets this man and they like hit it off. And she's determined that that's the love of her life. Like that's her soulmate. And they agree to meet back in Hungary because they're both Hungarian they agree to meet and see where things go. So she goes back to Hungary to Budapest and she meets up with him or she tries to, and he's not there. So she has to track him down. And when she finally gets a hold of him, he doesn't recognize her. He doesn't know who she is. So I'm not going to say anything else, but oh! this, <laughs> this film is, uh, well, I don't want to say it's wild. I don't want to oversell it, but it's just like, I love the narrative twists and turns it does. And it's a real slow burn, but I was like captivated by it. It's just really interesting, like modern Hitchcock almost. It's very like cold. And the really cool thing about it is that Marta is a neuroscientist, but she doesn't understand her own brain. Like she knows everything about the human brain and she does a couple of operations during the film, but she can't understand what's happening inside her own head or her heart. So uh -huh. I thought that was really interesting, like how our head and our heart work against each other in certain situations, especially in something odd like this, where you can't seem to trust your own memory. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so I just thought it was great. It, I, 
I just randomly watched it because it was on um, one critic's best of list. And I was like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> uh, now, so not, now I want to watch it. You should. It's, uh, I don't, I rented it. So I don't know if it's easily available anywhere. Oh, and there's Shuri humping. Shuri mama, this was not a good episode to misbehave because it's a good one. So let's settle. <laughs> Um, anyway speaking of dogs humping number seven is red rocket directed by sean baker (laughs) um dogs do not hump in this movie but the illusion the title people do people People do yes uh sean baker is my favorite director uh i thought this was a great film it just wasn't as great as the florida project or tangerine his two previous films which i think are like masterpieces and also, I texted you about this before too. Like, this is his first male protagonist in over a decade. So naturally, since it's starring a man, it's not going to be as good as his past couple of films. Well, and a very <laughs> shitty man at that. Yeah, but Simon Rex is so good in this movie. He was really good. This yeah. was actually on my list too. Um, because it was just it was an experience, you know, like I I I I felt a lot of different things. I left feeling very icky, which yeah, <laughs> obviously is probably the intent, mm-hmm. but I thought it was just like, it was, it was, yeah, it was good. I think it was a good example of what, how do I explain this? I don't want to compare it to don't look up, but oh, I want to say, no. but here's, here's, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. This is a good example of like a story of like a bad person, like someone you're supposed to kind of hate. A story mm-hmm. that is like supposed to make you feel icky, but like the movie as a piece of artwork was really good. Whereas like, don't look up is supposed to make you feel things, of course, but like mm-hmm. it just wasn't good as a piece of art. <laughs> yeah, no, like Simon Rex's character is like an asshole, but ultimately it's a morality tale. And Sean Baker continues to do what he's excelled at in the past, which is just like, illuminating people on the fringes of American society specifically. Uh, You know, the Florida project was all about people living week to week in roadside motels in Florida. Tangerine was about two transgender sex workers of color. Um, And this film is about poor white people that live in suburban or it's coastal Texas. Actually, it takes place in Texas city. and he's able to do that without like this isn't this isn't like a freak show. We're not meant to gawk at these people. Like there's always a human element, even if they're awful, that human element is still there. And I just find that really commendable. And I actually think this is like probably the best film to watch without it being in your face to like understand perhaps what led people to vote for Trump in 2016 because it takes place in 2016 during the election cycle yeah and it's not in your face like you hear trump and hillary on the tv right it's just like in the background yeah but when but when you see like where these people live and what jobs are there are for them or lack of jobs you start to understand like what could have driven them to believe that trump could have saved them from that and the thing i think i love most about this movie besides simon rex's performance is that like 85% of the shots that like oil refinery that's in town, it's just looming in the background of a lot of shots 
there's one chat in particular where um, Sammy Rex is talking to his wife. I don't recall her character's name or the Lexi. Lexi. Yes. They're talking (laughs) and it's like a beautiful summer day. Like there's greenery all around them and there's like summer breeze whipping through the trees. But in the background, you see like that refinery tower sticking up over the trees. And I just love that visual language. And I love the ending. I love the use of Bye 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 by in sync throughout the film. Okay, yes, that <laughs> I loved that. I loved that. I love that song, but I also just like love the way that they did it. Yeah, it was great. And his relationship with Strawberry is a lot more complicated than it could have been. Like it's not necessarily the archetypal like older guy who was a younger woman. She's got some interesting behaviors and layers going on there. And she was also very good. I don't recall the actress's name either. They're all unknown. They're all actors, of yeah. course. Um, but yeah, a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, love you, Sean. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. Number six is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, directed by Josh Greenbaum. This movie is fucking nuts. Like this movie's manic. Someone described it best. I don't remember who. Or they said it's like it's it's almost similar to like a spongebob episode like the vibe of a spongebob episode in terms of tone and of course it has like a tropical setting so it kind of matches it but it's just like you have to watch it for it to be believed i can't even begin to describe like what makes the film so enjoyable other than it's manic and there's songs in it which are funny as fuck uh seagull in the sand can you hear my prayer uh jamie dornan is great in this movie everyone's great it's just so funny and it's about like friendship and culottes and uh everyone should watch it i just have never seen anything else like it and i love it (laughs) i'm happy for you (laughs) thank you sherry was really acting up during that speech i had she's fine she's just being a brat (laughs) yep Okay, we're in the top five now. Here we go. Number five is Titan, directed by Julia DeCorno. I talked about this. Why did you say it like that? She's French. And the film is French. That's why I said Titan. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've talked about this a medium moment before. I think I summed up my feelings pretty well, but it's just a great film that stuck with me thematically i think it's doing things that i can't say a lot of other films have and uh that's another film you should just you just need to watch it like i can't really accurately describe it but it's i think at its heart it's actually a very queer narrative which i also liked of course um and the performances are great and really difficult to pull off considering the type of things going on in this film so recommend also i think it's bullshit the oscars they're short some you know how they release like their short list for nominees for certain categories um they released a short list for best international feature which had like you know 15 titles on it titan was not one of them and i just think that's bs <gasps> it won the palm d'Or <laughs> at Cannes, which is like best picture of the can film festival and oh, i wow. just think it's because it's too wild for them and they're like they're like a bunch of old biddies. I don't know. It just made me mad. I was like, I love Titan. Anyway, <laughs> next film, number four, a film I've not talked about for a media moment. And this is The Humans, directed by Stephen Karam. This is Stephen Karam's first 
film and first foray into filmmaking because it's actually based off of a play that I believe he directed. And it very much feels like a play, but like in the best possible way. And I think it works really well. So basically The Humans is just about a family that gathers at one of their daughter's new apartments in New York City for Thanksgiving. But it's just really interesting. Like, let's talk about the set design, first of all. So because this is a new apartment, it's Beanie Feldstein's apartment, by the way. She's one of the daughters. It's, yeah, it's Beanie Feldstein. Um, her boyfriend is uh, Steven Yoon. <laughs> and her sister is Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer is oh really God. good in this movie doing drama she's really okay. good um she plays really, a lesbian we're not, too we're not really big fans of amy Schumer. <laughs> no she's really good in it um and her okay. parents are uh oh my god well how did i just forget his name sorry y'all i need to bring this up richard jenkins and the mother played the mother in the play jane Hodshow. so that's the family anyway <laughs> but it's really cool because Beanie Feldstein, it's like she just moved in this apartment. I don't know why they're having Thanksgiving there, but there's like no front, like it is an empty apartment besides like a plastic table and a couple of chairs. So that's like a really interesting setting. And parts of it are like shot like a horror film. And there's even some really interesting sound design choices. Like, let's just say there's some bumps. There's some bumps. Some that, bumps. It's B U M P. It, yeah, it's a two-story apartment, and there will be scenes like where they're all downstairs, and you'll hear like bumps from upstairs, and it's just kind of like excused away. And no, you don't really get an answer on that, but I just I I it just fits, okay. Um, especially with the themes of the film, but it's just a really good dialogue-driven, performance-driven drama like human drama there's lots of talking and lots of just shots of people talking but the dialogue is so good and the performances are so good and like naturalistic coupled with those almost supernatural elements of it i just found it really enthralling and the final shot of this film is probably my favorite shot of the year it i it, i mean i can't do it justice without context but it's just great and uh recommend people watch the humans a great film number three is come on come on directed by mike mills i've talked about this in media moments a lovely film i love mike mills i love this movie if you want to cry and feel good about humanity watch it i don't like crying but i do like joaquin <laughs> phoenix so oh he's great everyone's great gabby hoffman is great yeah okay number two hold on let me i closed my notes app because i felt so confident but i need the direct, <laughs> i need the director's names uh number two is something i have not talked about on the pod before but i'm really glad i finally get to fucking talk about it number two is the mitchells versus the machines directed by mike rianda and jeff Rowe. listen i love this movie it first of all i'm upset that so it's a Sony film. It's a Sony Pictures Animation film. Um, but they sold it to Netflix because of the pandemic. So it didn't get a theatrical run. It went straight to Netflix. And I'm upset because I think Netflix, as we know, for the most part, is bad at advertising because they just know that so many people are subscribed to them that they just put something on the service and hope that it finds an audience. 
So I know it did well on Netflix, but I just feel like if this state at Sony was an actual like theatrical release, more people would like remember it and talk about it. I also think the original mm. title is better. The original title is just Connected, which makes oh. a lot of sense because it's about technology, but also connecting with your family. Uh, so anyway, all that being said, uh, people need to watch this movie. I truly think this is a film for like everybody. Like you could watch it with your significant other. You could watch it alone. You watch it with your family. Like it's for everyone. And on top of that, this is like what solidified its place for me. And this is no small thing. Like, so Katie, the protagonist is queer, like undeniable. Like this isn't some like coding. Like she is a queer character. Like her mother asked her if, her and this girl are official. She's going to come home for Thanksgiving. She's wearing a goddamn rainbow pin on her shirt the whole movie. Um, a lot, the visual motif of the film is like, like almost like someone doodles on the screen, like that comes up a lot. Uh, and there's rainbows all over the place. The rainbows are in bi and lesbian flag colors. Like Katie's queer. Like you, there's no denying it. And just watching, watching like a queer person save the world it's just really fucking cool. And honestly, like I, the first time I saw it, it like brought tears to my eyes because we just have never seen that before. Like she's saving the fucking world and she's a queer person. And like, I, I just don't know what else to say. I just think that's awesome. And on top of that, the movie is just funny as shit. It's so fucking funny. It, the animation is wonderful. It's from the, a lot of the same people who worked on into the spider verse um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller produced it and they produced oh, okay. Spider-Verse, Lego Movie. Our yeah. faves. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a wonderful film and it makes me cry. Oh, because aside from the queer stuff, there's so much family stuff in this movie that just like gets to me because the whole thing is Katie wants to be a filmmaker. So of course that touches me as well. She loves movies and her dad just like doesn't get it and doesn't get technology. And the oh my god the emotional path they take throughout the film and some of the scenes involving that i don't know how they don't make you cry it's just so touching and well done wow okay i love this movie so much i bought the art book i bought the goddamn art book i love this film and i think everyone should watch it and i'm sad because i think the oscars they're just gonna hand luca best animated oh. feature because <laughs> it's like the pixar movie and mm, this deserves it Anyway, my last film, number one, baby. I talked about roll. this one on the pod before. Uh, it's All Light Everywhere, directed by Theo Anthony. Mm. The reason why this is number one is just because it's like, it is a like fundamental text, I think. Like, it truly makes you question, like, just the frame specifically in the context of police body cameras, but also in terms of just photography and cinema in general, like it's really, it's like throwing all the paint at the wall, but like all of it sticks. And it seems like a lot when you're watching it, but by the end, it just all comes together into like a really clear thesis. And it just like blew my mind. Like I still think about it like every other day and just what it means for film, what it means for policing I just am astonished that it was, it had so many tendrils, but all of them grabbed onto something with such confidence. And this is Theo Anthony's second film. And it feels like someone who's been making movies for like decades. Um, 
he's also a Baltimore filmmaker, you know, work Theo. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like, look up impressive in the dictionary. I feel like that's what this film is. Okay. I think, I think anyone who loves film needs to watch this. And anyone who cares about policing in this country should watch this. Um, just phenomenal. And that's why it's my number one. Cause it like changes the game in my opinion. So. Wow. Thank you for listening. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. You had a little what? list. Yeah. Let me um, open my list up. Ah! Okay. <laughs> okay. This is just for movies. Um, so my number one spoiler alert was Spencer, <laughs> which oh, was on okay. your list, but okay. Here's the thing. I obviously haven't watched as much as you have. So mm-hmm. the comparison is not really the same, it's but okay. yeah. Still valid. Um, yeah. Spencer was my favorite movie of this year. It was it. I will say the one thing that I can't stop thinking about is the scene where um she's like where Diana has her pearl necklace and they're at dinner and oh, yeah. she like rips it off and then starts eating it and mm-hmm. like that made me like so in- uncomfortable and then I just kind of like it hit me and it was like <laughs> this is gonna sound so stupid but it just kind of like they did that to make you feel as uncomfortable as she must have felt sitting at that table with yeah that's not stupid people. at all. I, I mean, it's just kind of like, that was like, this is why I love watching movies because it's like, it's so brilliant. Like that was so brilliant. And it was like, so like hard to watch and icky. And it made me feel like, so just like squeamish on inside. But I was like, that's like how she felt sitting there. And they successfully mm-hmm. made me feel like that. Um, but yeah, I loved it. The queer stuff at the end made me cry. It was so, <laughs> it was just like such a sweet, thing to end on after like such a sour like experience for this person that you are like made to care about a lot so that was it was just so enjoyable it it was lovely um the score is also bomb the score was amazing the entire Mm -hmm. time i was like damn i'm gonna listen to this on spotify later (laughs) (laughs) it was really yeah the score was awesome um it was just a great experience it was it was really good i'm really glad that i decided to go because i saw it like right before it left the oriental i had like seen an instagram post and they were like spencer's leaving in two days and i was like (sighs) i'm just gonna go see it (laughs) so i did it was really good yeah yeah um (laughs) and then all of and then my next two like now I will say these aren't like necessarily like ranked, but That's okay. they kind of are ranked. Um, I only put one, two, three. I only put four. No, I only put four movies. Sorry, I can't count. That's okay. It works. <laughs> so, um, the next movie that was just like really impactful for me this year was Shang Chi. <laughs> I loved that movie. Oh, it was so good. It was visually stunning also i just need everyone to know i have cried at every single marvel movie (laughs) (laughs) wait i think i have to no i didn't cry at black widow or shang chi okay i cried at shang chi a lot because (laughs) part of it was just because like people always like i will always be like emotionally destroyed by like the parent child's like dysfunction Mm -hmm. type like the family dysfunction type of thing and so seeing like the the end fight with like Shang-Chi and his dad 
that was emotional. And then just like how visually stunning that movie was brought me to tears. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I didn't like Aquafina. I'm sick of her, but <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was, I've watched it at least three times. <laughs> oh, wow. That's right. It's on Disney plus now. Yeah. I, I only saw it once in theaters, but I've watched it twice since it's been on Disney plus. It's so good. It's, Work. it's also queen just really, it's really fun. I am the queen of rewatching you guys. I'm the queen of like living in my <laughs> comfort zone, honestly. Um, <laughs> but also I love Simu Liu and I, he's so like fun to watch and if you haven't watched the like, like now Disney's been doing the like behind the scenes stuff. They've been releasing those little like hour long documentaries as episodes of Avengers or it's called Assembled on yeah. Disney Plus. If you haven't watched the Shang-Chi episode, you should watch it. He is like such a riot. He's so funny. And like his enthusiasm for like being a part of this project, like almost mirrors like your enthusiasm as an audience member for like watching the movie so like it's just super great um his energy was just infectious <laughs> but not in an um, omicron way no not in an omicron way in a fun happy way <laughs> <laughs> um spider-man no way home as i talked about was on my list obviously because it was just amazing honestly just one of the most enjoyable experiences i had at a movie theater this entire year um and then i had red rocket on my list because it was it was just a really good piece of art. I enjoyed it. Um, and it made me miss going to the movies with you every Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. guess what? We can start doing that again once you're here. There are There's an art theater and a regal theater within five minutes of my new place. So <laughs> Okay, good. Um, but yes, that's a good um, list. Yeah, those were my movies. It was good. Uh, yeah. Work. <laughs> wow okay that was a long segment thank you guys for listening yeah we're but at that, over an hour okay <laughs> well that's that's definitely going to be the longest part i think yeah for so, sure for sure it's music time yeah so okay. this is is this this is all 2021 right uh yeah i think yeah everything on and my list has been released albums. in 2021 you did i did and singles one two three four five i did six albums and four ish five singles <laughs> okay work um okay. when you're done i'll just give my favorite album and my favorite single oh, okay okay concise okay everyone <laughs> you guys i'm really excited <laughs> okay so as probably predicted my i'm gonna go like from fa favorite to oh, i ranked okay. my albums She's switching but it up i ranked my albums but i did not rank my singles well, they're kind of ranked naturally, oh, right. but <laughs> sorry, you guys. I did not put she, as much thought she into said, this. As Let's talk then. semantics. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go for my favorite. My favorite album of this year was "An Evening with Silk Sonic" by Silk Sonic. Of course, <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. And I will say it is an absolute tragedy that this album didn't make it before Spotify wrapped because <laughs> even if Spotify wrapped would have counted like the last few weeks of November, I guarantee you this album would have been in my like top. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I cannot, I listened to this. I still listen to this album, like just fully on a loop. I actually have a, a, a loop. I don't start with the first song. I start with like, 
number three or four, and then I make the loop around. (laughs) I keep going. (laughs) It's just, it's so good. And I would say too, as like, as a black person, it's very like nostalgic to like old school R&B. So it's like, and people have made this joke already on TikTok where it's like, our kids are going to wake up on Saturday morning to us playing Silk Sonic, like what y'all know about this? (laughs) Because that's what our parents did. And it truly feels like that kind of music. And it's just so good. It just feels like a warm hug. (laughs) It's just love hugs. and, And I like it because it's a lot of like, it's a lot of different energies and I think it just flows so beautifully. And again, I'm not a shuffle person. If you listen to music on shuffle, I hate you. Oh, so you hate um, me. Yeah. We, we already talked about this. We did. Um, but I'm not a shuffle person. And I think that the way that they designed this album to flow, it's perfect. Um, but even though I listened to it starting, from I was going to say, doesn't that completely contradict what you just said? No, it's not on shuffle though. I still let it flow through in the order that they created it. I just start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my favorite song on the album is after last night. Um, amazing. Uh, and I've said this before, I think on the podcast and I'll say it again, this like really solidified Bruno Mars as an absolute fucking cultural icon. Like I guarantee you when he's like in the years where he's eligible to win like lifetime achievement awards, this album like secured that 100%. Oh, did it? In addition to everything else that he's done, like I, I mean, obviously this isn't the only reason he would be eligible to win something like that, but I think like this project, in addition to everything else that he's done, amazing. Bruno, we are living amongst an absolutely like legendary person with Bruno <laughs> Mars. He's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I could just talk for hours about Silk Sonic. <laughs> well, let's not um, do that. What's number, <laughs> what's the next one? <laughs> okay. The next one is Planet Her by Doja Cat. Oh, now this actually made it into my <laughs> stop doing that. <laughs> you did that last week too. It's <laughs> not it's... Even you. I hate you say like get into it, yeah. It's get into it, yeah. <laughs> okay, here, get into it, yeah. That's better. I would Thank prefer you. if you did that. Um, get into it, yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, he's asleep now. <laughs> she's like dead. <laughs> okay, good. Um. Oh, I mean, not, no, I don't want her to be dead, but what? sleeping is better than humping you. <laughs> That's true. Um, okay. Doja Cat. This album was also, I think, really important for her career because we really, like, you and I really liked Hot Pink. Like that was like a fun Whoa, album. Hot Pink, yeah. And I think that like, that was a good album in the sense that like, she, that was like a very different sound than like what we as a society <laughs> were used to with like <laughs> pop and rap music. It was like very electronic and fun and like goofy, which is totally like Doja Cat's personality. But Planet Hurt was just like something else. It was like pop. It was heavy R&B, but it was also like that super fun, goofy rap that she did in Hot Pink. It was just like the perfect blend of everything that she's known for and stuff that's like just mainstream music. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Um, obviously, she's been nominated for several awards for this album, but this was also another album that I would just like get into my car and immediately like hit play at the top of the like with track number one and just like let it go. 
it, it's just so good. And it's like, it's almost like comfort music for me. Like, I know I'm going to like anything that plays on this album. Um, no skips. <laughs> Did you say you just play it when you get into your car? Okay. Get into you're, it. You're canceled. You're canceled. <laughs> um, but yeah, this album has been my media moment before, so I won't go super into it. Um, but y'all know I love Planet Her, which is funny because I started the year being like, mm, I don't really like Doja Cat. I don't know. And then I was like, let me actually listen to this album. And then by the time I got through it, I was like, I kind of want to listen to it again. Yeah, I <laughs> listen to it again. Play that, <laughs> run that shit back. <laughs> I yeah, I really liked playing the hair. Um, okay, my next album is still over it by Summer Walker, which I've also talked about. But oh, yeah, again, recently, yes, again, actually, this is more on me because hold on, actually, let me double check when this album came out. I didn't really listen to this album. The typing uh, noises take. <laughs> okay, actually, no, I'm right. This oh. album came out November of 2021, so it wouldn't have been on my Spotify Wrapped, even if I wanted it no. to be. Um, I have been listening to this album again, nonstop on replay. There are a few. There aren't like necessarily like skips, but just like songs that don't stand out to me as much, but there are like a few that do stand out to me. Um, and I will say, I, I talked about this when this was my media moment, but the opening song is called bitter. And at the end, it like has a recording of a voicemail that Cardi B left for Summer Walker when the news came out that she was pregnant. And I think that that like perfectly sets the tone for the rest of the album and the like Cardi B, just like her message. I just feel like, Yes, like it <laughs> hypes me up for no reason. <laughs> it's so good. And then she goes into this like super, like, I don't even know how to explain it. You just have to listen to it. But the song is called Extra Reason and it's with JT from the City Girls. And it's just like, it's so fun to listen to. And it's so like, it's just classic R&B, but also just super fun. Like women are so fun. This is the thing that I like about now, like newer R&B is that like women are dominating R&B, whereas like before it was the men. Now, these girls, they got it. And then we I go guess right you could into- say you're still not over it. Okay. <laughs> you, I'm putting you on mute. As the host, mute. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can unmute. <laughs> what's the next one the next well the next like song that i'm super into on this album oh. too is called, yeah you cut me off so, you cut me off bitch you muted me because <laughs> you wouldn't shut up oh okay fair enough <laughs> the after extra reason is no love with SZA. i love SZA, which i'm going to talk about in a minute but oh. that song is pops off too and that was one of the singles that she released before the album came out but the rest of it is just so good. There's another song with Pharrell Williams that I really like Pharrell. I think he's doing really good things um, just in general. But yeah, this is a good album. So enjoy. <laughs> um, my next favorite album of this year is Montero by Lil Nas X. This, I, I keep saying this because these are my favorite albums. This is another one where I would just get into my car and <laughs> play <laughs> and just let it go. But I Where are you say- driving? <laughs> to my parents house oh okay 
just driving everywhere. <laughs> no, okay. I will say, like, when I am driving to my parents' house, it's like a 20-minute drive. So like I can listen to a decent oh, amount of music yeah. in that time. So like I that's why I just I start stuff and then I get into it. <laughs> um Montero. And this album I really like because like if you were to listen to like the beginning of it and then skip the whole middle and just like if you were to listen to the first song and the last song, you would be like, what? But like the way that it just flows into like starting really bright and happy and like exciting and upbeat. And then like the ending is super dark and it's just like you finish it and you're like, whoa, like it's one of those things that you have to like, you can't leave this on replay because you have to like let the silence just like (laughs) you have to like let the end of it just like sit with you for a minute and then you can hit replay. um yeah this is this was a a piece of artistry i will say and i'm pretty sure this is lil nas x's like debut it is debut album yeah so like this is awesome this is awesome for a debut and i can't wait to see what else he does because this was great it had pretty decent features too some people made comments on how like there were no black men featured on this album and Lil Nas X was like okay that's because y'all are homophobic as fuck and then Uh, I think it was Kid Cudi that was like I'm not like I'll work with you and so maybe (laughs) Lil Nas X and Kid Cudi I don't know but it was a really great album um I like that song that goes scope scope oh my god that was one of my favorites from this year (laughs) that was with Doja makes me think of ice cream like, I just yeah. want to hear that at the ice cream shop. Scoop. I'm just trying to be the daily. Scoop. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. Um, okay. The last two albums are not necessarily albums that I listened to a lot, but that I think were still like good and noteworthy for this year. So um, I have Positions by Ariana Grande, which is kind of a lie. I did listen to this one a lot. That was last year, I thought. No, that came out this year. I was looked. it like January? Um, let me double check actually the exact date. Hold on. Well, regardless, we'll still count it. It was it was in this year's Grammys eligibility period. Oh no, you're right. It did come out October 30th of 2020. Uh, wow. I mean, but it was still, yeah, like in the tail end of last year. So it would have cycled through. Yes. But it was we'll in let you have it. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Considering you watched some of your movies literally today. It's 2022, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um Positions by Ariana Grande. I thought this was a good album. Honestly, lyrically, I don't think Ariana Grande is that great of an artist, but also she's one of those artists who like doesn't always write all of her lyrics, but still like, I don't think her lyrics are that good, but I'm a sucker for Ariana Grande because she has the most incredible voice. And I think she's a really good, like, she's really good at arranging her own music, um, which she does. And I've seen like some footage from like, her in the studio on her YouTube channel. She's like, and that's kind of why I started listening to this album because I thought that that like behind the scenes footage was so good that I was like, let me actually listen to this. So I was very late to the game with this album, but I think it's pretty good. Um, again, not good lyrics, but <laughs> the sounds good. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the last album on my list is Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Hey, I think this is just a great achievement for somebody so young and somebody who literally wrote these songs just like in her room when she was feeling her feelings and then like released a single that she like recorded 
and then like shot the album, like the image that the cover art for like in her bedroom. Like she's just like, you know, it was in the middle of a pandemic. It was what we needed. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it's a great achievement for Olivia Rodrigo. And I'm really excited for like to see how she does with the Grammys, because I think, I think we might have another moment, like how last year was all about, or two years ago was all about Billie Eilish. I think this year is going to be all about Olivia Rodrigo. Okay. Girl, let me tell you, I blast this song acting like my heart's been broken by some straight little white boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's in this album, but it's like she put a little bit of like pixie dust in it. That mm-hmm. makes me feel the fantasy. And I live for Olivia. Oh my God. I can't wait to see what she does next as well. When she gets a little bit more mature, perhaps. She's, well, apparently she just went through another breakup. So we'll see. Yeah. Somebody on TikTok was like, if we thought the Joshua Bassett album was bad, <laughs> he's like, she's about to end lives with this next one. Oh my God. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed those albums. Um, now singles, I'll go a little bit, I'll go through a little bit faster because these are just singles. Um, I want to talk about SZA's new releases this year, particularly Good Days and I Hate You. Okay. You don't hate that song. I fucking love that song. (laughs) This is what you just said about Olivia Rodrigo, how like you sing her music as if like some straight boy like destroyed your heart. That's how I sing I Hate You by SZA. I have like no issues with anyone right now. And I'll be like, any of you wonder if I hate you. <laughs> like my, I put my heart and soul into singing that for no reason. It's just so fun and it's so good. And I'm so happy she released it. Um, and it's doing so well again for a song with no promotion. It was literally just pulled off of SoundCloud because so many people were listening to it and it's doing great. And then Good Days. I know you weren't happy when she released Good Days, but I like that song. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really good. And also another thing, I mean, it has been a long time, but we haven't gotten a new SZA album because a few, like, I think like maybe two years ago, SZA had surgery on her vocal cords and she thought her career was like dead ass over. And so I think hopefully now that she's like finally getting back into the music scene and is like regaining her momentum, maybe we'll get an album. We shall see. It's been five years. (laughs) (laughs) That's longer than Lord's break. (laughs) Well, we'll see what happens, but at least we're getting singles. At least we're getting features. We're getting something. Something, anything. Yeah. Um, something else that did come out for sure this year that I I made sure I checked before was the Save Your Tears remix from The Weeknd with Ariana Grande. Oh, That was really good. And they performed it live at some awards show. And the live version was also really fucking good. Um, I love The Weeknd and I love Ariana Grande and I love the two of them together. They do features together all the time. And I think it's so cute. Like they have a good relationship and their voices together. <sighs> They're like two of my favorite artists ever. So oh. yeah. Mark. Soup's cute. Yes, I am ashamed to say that Ariana Grande is one of my favorite artists oh, ever. But don't be again, ashamed. she has a stunning voice. Like, come on, tell me somebody that can compete with that. No one. Christina Aguilera, maybe. Uh. <laughs> um, okay. Now also um, Meet Me at Our Spot by Willow and Tyler Cole, also known as The Anxiety, the famous 
popular. I know you, you're like gearing up to say that you hate the song and you're over it. No, 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 no. I, no, I don't hate the song. I, it's such an earworm that I just want to scream like, meet me at our spot (laughs) into the microphone. Be like, caught a bye. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know the words, girl. (laughs) It's, it's just good fun. And we basically like, we i mean like young people we bullied them into releasing the live version for real so that's awesome it's so much better than the original version it's so much better you guys (laughs) don't listen to that i mean you can if you want but (laughs) and then the last single that i wanted to highlight for this year was alter by kilani we're supposed to get an album this winter but i don't think it's gonna happen i'm very upset it's okay it'll come i'm emotional and then she could be your top artist all over again you're right. Okay. <laughs> I think though, here's what I think happened. I think oh. her label was probably like, if you release this album, you have to tour. And she's like, okay, well, I'm not ready to tour. So she's like delaying the release of her. Cause like when she announced that she was delaying the release of her album, she was like, I still have so much stuff I want to do. And I was like, okay. But then I was like, <laughs> oh, she's probably going to have to tour if she releases this album. So she's probably like, let me live my life. She also has a kid. So like, I guess Ugh, children, whatever, ruin you know, everything. everything, literally everything. <laughs> uh, well, um, but those were, that, those were all my music picks. Yeah. I will well, say I'm really proud of myself for having a lot of people of color. <laughs> I'm proud of you too. We love people. Of color. I'm like really tapping into my blackness, you know? In fact, <laughs> all of your albums were people of color. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ariana Grande is Asian now, so <laughs> stop. Okay. Um, <laughs> real quick, my favorite album of 2021 was Juno by Remy Wolf. Uh, Remy Wolf is very quickly becoming one of my favorite artists. I just love her like manic, colorful, new poppy energy. Um, and it's a great album. And that's when I like. I'm not typically a type of person where I'm, I'm not typically like a no skip person, but Juno and like sour were one of the few albums last year that I, I put on and I don't really skip. Uh, So love that. But my favorite single of the year was good ones by Charlie XCX. I am just shivering in me timbers for her crash era, which is coming in two months time. Um, I know you love you post about uh, Charlie XX so much on your Instagram story. It makes me so happy. Not ready. Just like the aesthetic of this era she's going into and the sound. I am been quaking since, since September when Good Ones came out. <laughs> um, also, that video is hot as shit. Like Charlie, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, Mama. Mm. I'm excited for you. I truly you. am. Yes. So yeah, you, you did that music. Woo! All right. Television. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for mm-hmm. television, I have no superlatives. I have a top five list and I have a couple of honorable mentions. Let's get okay. into it. These get are all 2021 yeah. shows slash seasons. Okay. So honorable mentions, WandaVision, a very good Marvel show to start. Period. Off. Yeah. Elizabeth <laughs> Olsen is great. I love that it was about like trauma. Good show. Love Catherine Hahn, of course, who's been messing up everything. It was Agatha all along. You bet it was. Uh, okay. It was. But there was one Marvel MCU show I enjoyed a little bit more, and that was actually Hawkeye. Uh, really? What? Yeah. This is like, I, wait, what? Yeah. I'm I, shocked. 
I actually think now granted this was a little bit more recent, so that could be part of it, but also I like the brevity of Hawkeye better. Like notice how spoiler Loki is not on this list. Loki was too many. It was too long. It's funny how we're saying eight episodes is too long. Loki's on my list. Oh, sorry. No, I just thought like with these MCU shows, we got four this year and some worked better than others. (laughs) Fuck no one or (laughs) so. I just think it's, it's in the hands of the writers, honestly. And Hawkeye worked really well as like a six episode little run. It was like small scale, but still very exciting. Haley Steinfeld, I know you don't like her for whatever goddamn reason. I think she's great. I think she was born to play Kate Bishop. No, okay. She was, this show was like a redemption for her in my eyes. I genuinely don't know why I don't like her, you guys. I just, <laughs> I don't like her. I didn't like her. But okay, I was talking to my boss about this show today because she was like, I just finished Hawkeye. And she was like, did you know Haley Steinfeld was wearing blue contacts for that entire show? And I was like, yeah. what? And then I, I looked at did that. Well, because apparently, like in the comics, Kate Bishop, like in some of the imagery, her eyes are like piercing blue. Like, yeah, but it's like so intense. But sure, no, I we didn't need it. that. But I will say they like made it look so good. Like, you know, some people when some people wear, well, especially like when brown eyed people wear blue contacts and they look like mm-hmm. scary. Like I didn't <laughs> even notice she was wearing contacts. Like it looked yeah. so normal. So I was like, okay, work. Yeah. I just thought it was good. And it was, it was more it was deeper than i thought it would be i liked clint's emotional arc of course yelena belova was in it and florence was was even better here than she was in black widow amazing um so yeah i really liked hawkeye but it's just honorable mention of course um love victor (laughs) season two my little gay heart still beats for the um the ending of like the very last shot made me want to pull my fucking hair out i could not believe i have to wait another year for this cliffhanger wow Um, it's just great and it's doing what no other show is doing like it's just it's telling a gay narrative but it's not like i don't know how to explain it again there's just some like secret little sauce in there um (laughs) where it's like it's it's about teenagers but it doesn't feel like a teeny bopper show yeah and it's what i I wish existed when i was in high school i think it's interesting because it seems like you like this show more than you like love simon well, yes, but that's because this this show is like correcting the representation <laughs> wrongs of Love Simon. <laughs> like the, I I love that about this show. Um, and let's just say by the end of season two, next season might be might be other non-gay queer people in the mix. Maybe mm, we'll see. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, love, love Victor. Can't wait for oh, and and uh Anna Ortiz as his mother, so good in season two quite the arc my last honorable mention i can't in good faith put it on the top five just because like i don't think there was a clear direction for the season but it ended phenomenally and that's insecure um as you all know i started watching insecure this year and i fell in love with it and started watching the last season as it was airing and nick and i nick's also a fan we just watched the finale a few days ago the series finale and like the series finale was handled great and it was very emotional cried a lot because you just love these characters but i just think i couldn't put season five on the list because i i don't think there was a strong through line through the season as there have been in other seasons like there's some elements i don't know if Issa ray knew how to wrap up some storylines mm. but it's still funny it's still heartfelt like the acting and writing is great so so close but no cigar <laughs> um 
All right, my top five. Number five is Mayor of Easttown. Uh, the show really surprised me. I devoured it. I don't remember it. you talking about this. I talked about it when we talked about the Emmys because um, Kate Winslet won oh. for Best Actress. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I texted you about it. Yeah, I devoured this limited series in like 24 hours. It's just really engrossing, but also really like it operates on a really human scale in a way that not a lot of true crime detective type of shows do. Like you really get to like learn about these people, especially Kate Winslet's character, Mare. And this is like the role of her career. She deserved the Emmy. She's fantastic in the show. The fact that she's British and was able to do this like very specific rural Pennsylvanian accent. Um, and apparently she would turn it on and off between takes. I, mm. it's just a great show and it's, it's, it's great storytelling. I recommend it. Um, okay. So my, ne- my next four are all very queer. So get ready. Um, <laughs> number four is drag race UK season two. <laughs> this, this is my favorite season in the whole drag race franchise. Wow! I know okay. that you didn't end up finishing it, but you, finish it. you saw most I of started it, it and you yeah. know, the Queens that were on it and just a great cast like you guys. it was a really good cast it was also yeah. i will say very refreshing to watch that after season 13 <laughs> yes well it's again brevity like uk season two was like 10 episodes not 1700 um <laughs> but yeah like you got lawrence cheney bimini bamboo lash taste ahora like tia coffee i fucking love her like just such a great season <laughs> with great challenges and great queens i loved it like loved it please make more seasons like that um uh so actually the next show number three was my very first media moment once we start doing this and that's the other two which is an underrated comedy on hbo um and it's just funny as shit season so season two aired this year they brought it back after like a two-year hiatus so 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 funny and it's coming back this year um, during the summer, I think for season three, I think you would like it. Actually, it's funny. It's it's like Broad City type of humor, kind of. Oh, okay. I like Broad yeah. City. We had fun it, with that. Yeah, it's just funny. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> it's just fucking funny. Okay, for watching. All right. You know what's not funny? My next two entries. Okay, <sighs> so I'm kind of cheating with number two because it's technically just an episode, but I have sound reasoning for this. Okay, so number two is euphoria special episode part two to jules's episode oh, so okay euphoria came out in summer 2019 and then the pandemic happened right before they were going to shoot season two and that was delayed a while but they sam levinson found time to make two quote-unquote special episodes um part one ruse episode came out in december of 2020 and that was very good it's very dialogue driven and then jules's episode came out in January of 2021. So it qualifies. And <laughs> okay. wow, like this, it's for it's my favorite episode of the whole show by like a country mile. It's wow. just the depths of emotion that it mines. Um, and in fact, as you know, once I think like a few days after the Euphoria season two premiere date was announced, I began my rewatch of season one and finished it in like three days. Um, but I had the, I had these two special episodes. I knew I had to rewatch them, but I held off because I knew that they were not going to do me well mentally. (laughs) Um, 
So uh, uh, season two premieres this Sunday, and I just finished the rewatch with with this episode a few days ago. And it's just like, it is a punch to the gut. And Jules is just such a fascinating character. I love that Hunter Schaefer contributed to the script, writing from her own trans experience and what that means. There's a great line where she says it like trans to her is spiritual. Like it's something that's all hers um, to celebrate. But it's also about some really dark shit. Um, Like... (laughs) just I I don't want to get into it but Jules and I share some trauma in terms of like our relationships with others and the types of relationships I've had with people in the past and the types of anxieties that that brings and so this episode maybe hits a little bit harder for me than it might for other people but it just absolutely destroys me and I was crying a lot um re-watching it but it's just a wonderful episode and Hunter Shaver Schaefer is a badass and a great actress and a great writer and um very excited for season two to begin in just a few days i can't wait oh my god i'm excited <laughs> for you thank you uh and speaking of tears my number one favorite show of 2021 is it's a sin which mm, i do I, remember you talking about this yeah it came out in january late january but i watched it over the summer <sighs> talk about tears um so this is the show this (laughs) it's from the creator of queers folk and it's basically about the aids epidemic Mm. mainly as told by gay youth in london or, or in the uk i guess and it actually takes place over quite a number of years from like the mid 80s to the early 90s um but it will tear your fucking heart out throw it Uh on the floor stomp on it um this sounds like really dark and depressing actually but episode three in particular which just made me like i i I haven't cried that long in a very very long time at the end of episode three i was on my couch just like a mess and it kind of taught me like life is not fair man like i was watching that i was like life is not fucking fair and it just really hits for me because obviously I think about like if I were alive or not. Yeah. If I were alive um, oh, during the AIDS. You were just saying if I were alive, no, I was like, no, <laughs> you are. <laughs> if I were alive during the AIDS crisis, um, obviously that would have hit real close to home because just people were dying left and right. And the government was governments, world governments were doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and I also love that this show is a tribute to the straight women that helped their gay friends even as they were dying in front of them um really the main character of the show ends up being jill who's a black woman who lives with this group of boys and it's a tribute to her and all the women that were there um when their allies were just dropping like flies and of course it wasn't just gay people dying but yeah it it was a moralized issue for them so i think this is like the quintessential fictional telling of the AIDS crisis that I've seen so far. There's lots of great documentaries about it, but in terms of narratives, I think this is like a must watch for anyone, but specifically like gay men, just bring a box of tissues. It is not an easy watch. You will cry every single fucking episode. Um, but maybe, 
maybe like do something nice for yourself after you watch episode three because it will mess you up. <laughs> loved wow. It's a Sin, but also hated it because it destroyed me. <laughs> but loved it. Yeah. Anyway, that's TV for me. You have some TV shows you'd like to point out? I do. I have four TV shows. Oh, um, work. I honestly, because I've been just rewatching New Girl all year, I was like, what am I going to watch? I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> But the more that I thought about it, I was like, okay, I, I did watch some stuff. I will say, um, uh, for me, uh, like for people who don't know me, I, like Zach said earlier, I'm the queen of rewatching because <laughs> I just like, when I indulge in like movies and TV, I do it because I want to like make myself happy or like make myself feel a certain emotion. And so mm-hmm. like watching new things is very hard for me because I don't know how I'm going to feel. And that like, just gives me anxiety. So I just rewatch stuff. Um, even like with don't look up last night, I almost didn't watch it last night. Cause I was like, do I want to watch this? And then I was like, no, I'll watch it. <laughs> but like, I had to keep going back and forth that like I clicked on it. And then I was like, no, 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 no. And then I was like, nah, 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 watch. <laughs> so I do rewatch a lot of shows, but I, so I originally had WandaVision at the top of my list, but I think I'm going to flip it. Oh. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to flip it. Um, just do it. Yeah. Do it, do it. Okay. I'm going to flip it because we only because we like kind of just talked about WandaVision and I'll talk about it again in just a second. But I think my like favorite new watch of the year was Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Oh, yeah. Because this was like definitely an experience for me. And it just, it came at the perfect time. It came into my life at the perfect time. Like, again, I get anxiety from watching new things. And so, like, <laughs> I was a little nervous to watch this and somebody had told me like weeks prior to when I actually started watching it, that this was a really good show, but I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. (laughs) And then Morgan actually started watching it and she was like, okay, I'm invested. Like you have to try it. And I was like, fine, I'll watch it. So I watched the first episode and it was fully not what I was expecting. Um, and it just kept getting better. And I thought it was just so creative and like, goofy and it was funny and it was silly and the dynamic between selena gomez martin short and steve martin like the chemistry that they had on screen was just perfect it was perfect and it just told a really good story about like relationships um like relationships with strangers relationships with friends relationships with partners um relationships with family it was just like all that was just hidden underneath like a funny like whodunit story and it was it was so much fun it was so much fun I actually I want to rewatch it because I know that there's going to be like things that I'll pick up on the second time around now that I know who the murderer is that I maybe missed the first time around so I want to like rewatch it again to see but it was really good and I said this before I think when I made this my media moment but there is an episode that's from the point of view of a deaf character where there's zero dialogue up until the very last line of the episode and that's my favorite episode of the whole season it was so creative and it was it was done so well too because it wasn't like they just like didn't have people talking it was like people would like take a breath to start talking and they would cut to another like another scene. And then like the two characters who did speak ASL would like speak in ASL, but like, that was it. There was no like verbal dialogue. So it was really great. Yeah. I've been meaning, I've actually been thinking about making that my next like series that I watch because Nick watched it and loved it too. 
It's really good. And so, season two is going to happen. And the ending, it was so, the ending was so crazy. I was like, okay, season two, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I actually was thinking, I thought maybe I could squeeze it in before we did this episode. Cause I know that you and Nick loved it so much, but I just ran out of time watching movies and said, so <laughs> I will was- perhaps get on that soon. It was really good. Yeah. And, and then I actually encouraged someone else that I know who is like similar to me, like a, an average rewatcher for like anxiety reasons. And they also loved it too. And they were like, this is my new thing. I was like, see, this show is good. If you like rewatching shows because you have anxiety, this is a good show for you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not like anything crazy. There's no, like, you know, like like a deep emotions that you're going to feel while watching it, which is also kind of nice because if you have anxiety, maybe you don't need to be feeling things, but, <laughs> but yeah, so this, this, it was a really good show. Um, so I'll make that my number one. WandaVision is a very close second though. I, I, I know you, you, you feel some type of way about it. <laughs> I was on my honorable mention, <laughs> but it was below Hawkeye. And I honestly think that that's, a crime but <laughs> right below like loki and winter soldier weren't even on the list interesting well WandaVision i like wandavision like <laughs> i will say i think this is one of the most innovative things that anyone has done for like television in a really long time wandavision was it was magnificent honestly and it was just super it was cool it was like a really cool experience yeah um the entire time i was like whoever thought of this deserves a raise like <laughs> it was just so smart it was just it was it was innovative it was fresh and it was like two characters that we don't get to spend a lot of time with like in the movies that you like really get to spend a lot of time with here and i think that was i thought that was great but was it, it was innovative it shut up <laughs> it was really emotional too like i actually the funniest thing one of the reasons why i created my um instagram close friends story was because i wanted to post something about wandavision that was like kind of ugly of me but i didn't want everyone to see it let me see if i can find it it was like me ugly crying about <laughs> are you for real was this before i got back on instagram <laughs> okay you need to send this to me let me see if i can find it it was it was i i mean i was like i need to post this because i know it's funny and i know i'm gonna get a lot of reactions but i was like this is so ugly of me <laughs> it was that episode where um they like flashback through what here it is i'm sobbing it says it's like the episode where they flash back through like what wanda's been up to and then she looks at the map of westview where vision writes to grow old in and then she starts crying and then it's like that me at the time this was like a meme where it was like the scene and then it was like the cameraman and it's like i'm crying and then i added a picture of myself and i kid you not i took this picture because I, this was like the day after I had watched that episode and I just started like thinking about it and I started like sobbing, just thinking about it. It was like, it just broke my heart. I know this is so corny to say, but I'm like a big empath. So like, just stop, <laughs> Ely, stop. I'm going to run out this room and jump off a bridge. Okay. But I've been saying you know it the for tics- a long, I know, oh, oh, I she's know. been saying it for I- a long time. As an empath, I feel that you're laughing right now <laughs> stop I can't with you okay no but like actually though the thought of like somebody not even a real person 
this is literally a fictional character, but like the thought of Wanda Maximoff having to experience that, I I still get really emotional thinking about it. It's like really sad. Wait, I shouldn't be laughing at you because I literally almost started tearing up talking about it's a sin. So yeah, so shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> it's like if you really think about the timeline of everything, like Wanda just could not catch a break. No. I was like girl oh my god when she was like looking at that the deed to that lot where their house is and she just like broke down and accidentally created a whole town i was like "Ah." (laughs) it hurt my soul okay wandavision like ripped me the fuck up (laughs) all right well gee i would love to know what number three did to you uh let me check i don't remember what number three was (laughs) Oh, number three was Loki. Okay. Oh. I'm trying to think if I actually cried during Loki. It was low-key okay. Okay. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> okay. I actually really enjoyed Loki because um, I thought it just, like, did big things for, like, where phase four was going. Yeah, but that's, like, the merit it has in my brain. Like, that's that's how I think about it positively is that ending and, and what it does mean. But in terms of like looking back on the experience of watching it, I felt like it kind of was a whole lot of nothing. And to be honest, I just don't think Loki or Sylvia are that interesting. <gasps> I just don't, I just don't think. See, I think Loki's incredibly interesting. I don't think Sylvie's mm. that interesting. I didn't really like her that much. She was just like, mm, okay. But I think Loki's incredibly interesting. I don't know, man. I'm just like, I, I get what you're serving, but I, it. <laughs> and this was like the most again like i feel like these tv shows have given us a like deeper dive into characters that we didn't get to spend a lot of time with like in the movies so i feel like this is the most like intimate relationship we've had with the character loki since like at all oh yeah so i i enjoyed that and i i've i've liked his character and this was like just it was just more interesting to see him as like a a different side i don't know i i really liked it and i thought visually it was great yeah, i was gonna say i do think it's cool the budget for that show it definitely looked the most cinematic out of all the mm-hmm. mcu shows we got this year i was yes. impressed frequently i was like wait this looks like a film production yeah. wise it was great i yeah production wise i thought it was awesome um also it was really refreshing to have loki come right after falcon and the winter soldier because oh my god you're telling me (laughs) that show did not do it for me and then we got loki and i was like oh okay (laughs) um yeah i don't know it was just like a good i i just enjoyed watching that show a lot wait i think i know what number four might be can i guess yes is it what if no Oh, okay. I thought you loved what No, if. I did like What If, but it's not in my top. Um, oh, what's number four then? Number four is a show that I watched um, because of like the Tom Hiddleston era that we experienced. Everybody was like talking about his other works and I was just like interested in watching more of him. It's Night called Manager? The Night Manager. Yeah, it's yeah. from 2016, but I watched it this year. And this Wait, was like- that's not a 2021 show. I, I already said like, half an hour ago that one of my shows was oh. not from 2021 but i watched oh, it in I must 2021 my bad. oh my god what's new zach doesn't <laughs> listen to me you guys anyway the night manager is from 2016 as i literally just said um before you so rudely cut me off 
<laughs> and similar to your experience with one of your shows, I also like devoured this in like 24 hours. It was like, I'm trying to think, when did I watch this? Cause I know that I, I wasn't working. I think it was like during one of my breaks at work. Like, I think we got like a summer break or something. And I watched this show during that break. Um, I just spent like a full day watching the episodes oh of this show. <laughs> it's a limited series. There's only like six episodes, but the episodes are like super long. Um, I thought it was, it was really good. It was really intense. And at first I was just like, what is this? Like, what am I watching? And I almost stopped watching it after the first episode. Cause I was like, mm, I don't get it. And then I was like, let me just <laughs> keep watching it. And I'm glad I did because it was really good. It had like some pretty big names. It had like Tom Hiddleston, Olivia Coleman, um, the guy that plays House. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, his name. oh, what's his fucking name? <laughs> Hugh Laurie. Yeah, he was really good. He was really good. Um, and I you get to see Tom Hiddleston's butt. He has oh. a cute butt. <laughs> you get to see Hugh Laurie's butt? No. But you, you don't want to he- see. You don't want to see his butt. You like hate his character. I don't so. know. When he was playing Stuart Little's dad, I was like, Stop. You're done. <laughs> You're done. You're done. Shut up. I'm putting you back on mute. No. <laughs> oh, I'm back. <laughs> um anyway that was just a good cool experience (laughs) um yeah I like that show I'm glad I watched it um I also really like listening I think Tom Hiddleston has done like audiobooks or like has done I think he has done audiobooks he has I like listening to his voice oh sorry I touched my mic I don't know if y'all heard that don't do that again I'm gonna just kidding um (laughs) I like listening to his voice a lot so that was also nice I just like British people. (laughs) They do slap. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was a good one. Those were my shows for the year. So now we're going to do books, but to my understanding, none of the books you're going to mention are from this year, but that's okay. I don't think, yeah, I don't think so. And I, I don't read a lot, but I did read a couple of books. So I guess I'll just mention like the best book I read last year. That's also not from last year. Oh, nice. But yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go. Most in... boring for last. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm offended. I'm like truly offended. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm putting you back on mute just for that. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> um, anyway, so this is my list of 2021 reads in the order that I read them. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say about that, but, uh, (laughs) I have, I have ambitions for next year now that I've like gotten into reading again. Um, I'm not like necessarily proud of this list. Um, these are just the books that I read and I would like to talk about them because I thought they were all pretty decent. Oh, all the books you read. Yeah. This is all the books I read in 20. How many? It's one, two, three, four, five. Oh, okay. Work. Yeah. So again, not proud of, of, of all of like this list in particular, not that any of them are bad. It's just like, I know I can do better in my, I have ambitions for 2021. Actually, I just bought two books today. Well, one of them was a replacement for a book that my dog ate. Um, <laughs> okay. Let me just jump into it. So the first book I read was part of a Toni Morrison readathon, read, readathon. Why did I say thon? <laughs> read a thon. <laughs> <laughs> 
from New York now? I'm from the Bronx, like Elmo. Uh, balsamic, balsamic vinegar. <laughs> Nick's gonna love that. He's obsessed with that TikTok. It's so funny. Wait, I saw somebody do another TikTok of them just like doing the Elmo voice, and they were like, "Are you even from New York? Are you even <laughs> have a black puffer jacket?" <laughs> I'm weak. She kept laughing too because she'd be like, are you even from New York? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you were saying Toni Morrison. Yeah. um, I also want to say this really quick um, about my life and my upbringing. Um, I realized this is like the first piece of black fiction that I've read probably ever. And I think that that's awful. Um, But the more that I think about it, the more that I was just like becoming frustrated by the fact that like nobody in my life, including my parents and of course my teachers, because I went to like an all white middle school and high school, like nobody in my life ever encouraged me to like seek out or like ever provided me with black literature. And I was just kind of like thinking about it, like what the fuck, (laughs) like how am I a black person and I've only read the black literature that I read this year, like ever in my life. So my goal for next year is to change that, obviously. And I am, I'm happy with like what I read this year, but I definitely want to read more. But this was the first thing that I was like, this is like something I'm intentionally seeking out that was written by a black woman that is about black people. And I was just like, mm-hmm. hmm. So the book that I read by Toni Morrison was called Sula is a part of a readathon that my old coworker Cree Miles did um, called Black Like We Never Left. It was really fun. And we had like discussions on Instagram live and um, she did, she does this thing called drop everything and read on Instagram live where she'll hop on IG live and literally just read and everybody <laughs> joins. It's really fun. Um, so that was the first book I read. And that was just like, I think impactful for me because again, it was like my first piece of black fiction. It was my first Toni Morrison book and it was just like a good experience. Um, and it was a good story and it was really great writing. And so I was like really fired up too, because I've been struggling hardcore with like getting back into reading. Like since I graduated from college, I just like, haven't been able to read like I used to. And for like context, when I was in high school, I read like nobody's business. Okay. I could, I'm not even kidding. I could finish a book in like less than 24 hours. Like I would just go hard nonstop. And I would, I, like, I wish I still read like that. And like when I read Harry Potter, I read all seven books in like two months. Like that's crazy. Oh my God. The Dang. first three books I read in like less a week. Like I read the first book in 24 (laughs) hours. The second book took me a little bit over a day. And then the third book, like I read those books like crazy. Like I used to read. Yeah. I used to read a lot in high school. And then when I went to college, it was always like, if I'm reading this, I could just be reading my textbooks. So I would never read for fun. And then after I graduated, the only books that I could like really read, I read the, to all the boys I've loved before series, which were really fun. If you like haven't read those books and you like the movies you should read the books because they're better um Uh, that was like all that I read after college and so I was like I've been struggling because I love reading and now I feel like I'm in a place now where I can like read again like the way that I did in high school maybe maybe not as intense as I did in high school because I I was gonna say (laughs) I do have a job (laughs) but like I can I have that like passion and excitement for reading again I just have to like find the right book 
So Sula was great. It was a good way to start the year off. I read this in like February. So that was good. And then I read Hood Feminism um, uh, yes. by Mickey Kendall. And I bought that book at a book sla- a bookstore slash brewery in Arizona that Morgan oh. and I went to. And I read that book while I was on the plane. I read it for the entire flight from Arizona to Milwaukee. And I actually didn't finish it, but I wanted to include it on this list because it was like a really good experience. That was like the first piece of nonfiction that I've read in so long. I usually like stay away from nonfiction, but this one had me like captivated for the whole the whole plane ride. I couldn't put it down because it was just so interesting. And I, I like, again, this was my first piece of nonfiction in a really, really long time, if not ever. And so it was just interesting to, to, to not only read about like the fem, like feminism, but to read about it through the lens of like black women and people who are just often forgotten um, when talking about feminism, because we know that the feminist movement is very, very white dominated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why do you sound like an 80 year old man? <laughs> what else is new? Truly. <laughs> also, I just saw Sherry flop over and wake up. You did not back. like that noise. I think I like blew into my, cl- like my glass in a weird way. Oh, and it scared her. The beast has awoken. Just a <laughs> few more minutes, Sherry, baby. <laughs> She's fine. She'll go She's like, this is a long ass episode. Damn. Sorry, girlfriend. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, hood feminism, it was really good. Um, really interesting. I would like to finish it at some point, but now I'm just kind of like reading. So I picked up some other things that I'm just like, yeah. Um, then the next book that I read wasn't until like August, which is a really long time, but it wasn't until I went to, um, Myrtle beach for vacation that I read Mexican Gothic. And I actually bought this book at the airport because they had this cool program where it was like, you could buy a book like for your vacation, return it the next time you're at the airport and trade it for like a discount on a new book. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then I immediately threw away my receipt, (laughs) (laughs) which though I'm glad I did because I actually, I liked this book. I think the general consensus is that this book was just okay. It was your medium. I really liked it. Yeah, it was. I really liked it. I read, I read it. Uh, I was in Myrtle beach for a full week and I read it for that whole week. Like I finished it on the plane ride back home. Um, I thought it was really good. I think it will work really well as a TV show. Um, it, cause it is kind of drawn out and that's like the main critique of it is that it's just, it's too drawn out, but I, so, but I think that will work well, like as a, as a, on, on, on screen, which they are developing it into a TV show. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really enjoyable. It was just like different. Um, and it was fun. Um, and I really like the characters. That's the kind of person, that's like the kind of reader I am. I'm like more of a character driven type of reader. So I like the characters in this one. Um, and then the next book that I read was in October. It was The Vanishing Half. Oh yeah. What is Shuri doing? <laughs> I think she's ripping up a flyer that I got. That's on oh floor. my goodness! She said, "I can't wait to yeah, misbehave." You are. I'm You're just. Naughty. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is not for you. Uh, <laughs> Come on, lay down. So, vanishing half a. Eh? You talked yes. about that as well. Yes, this book was amazing. This is hands down probably the, my favorite thing that I read all year. It was. Ooh amazing and here's the thing that i like the most about it is that it 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 had like 
a premise, but it didn't really have a plot. It was just a good storytelling. And it was like from multiple points of views throughout the entire book, but it was just really, really, really good storytelling. And then when it ended, it just kind of ended. And it was like, huh. <laughs> but it, it was really good. The characters were great. Very like. What was she thinking? Innovative? I don't know how to explain. No, stop <laughs> it. Very like just deep and like complex characters. Like it, it was very interesting. Um, there was some queer stuff in there, which I liked. I wasn't expecting because you asked Hell me if there's queer yeah. stuff in there. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And I then willed I it. the next chapter and it was perfect. It was really great. It was a good story. Um, very enjoyable. Um, and just interesting, an interesting um, like black, an interesting black story. And then the last thing that I read in 2021 was Shadow and Bone by oh, yeah. Lee Bardugo, which is a Netflix show, which I will not be watching. Uh, I thought you said you just weren't going to watch it till it's done, but now you're not going to watch it, period. I heard it was good. <sighs> okay, I think it's good because nobody's read the books. <laughs> ah! I mean, probably. Not that the books are probably better, but just that it, I think they changed like a lot to the point where I know it's going to piss me off. So I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, we'll might see. as well skip it. <laughs> yeah. So the book, okay, here's the thing. This, what, this, this was a good book. Like it was enjoyable. I really like fantasy, like sci-fi, that type of shit. But the more that I think about it, the more that I'm like, it was okay. It was very slow to start. I didn't start getting into it until I got to chapter 12. I actually put it down for like weeks. And then I was like, fine, I'm going to pick this back up again. And then once I got to chapter 12, I started crying at one point. I got super emotional oh about God. like this character and like her discovery. And then it just took off. It was awesome. <laughs> so wow. yeah, it's about like halfway point. Like the character reaches like a huge like revelation. And then it just things really start rolling after that. Um, I bought the second book and I was like, I'm going to finish the second book before the end of the year. I wanted to so, so, so bad. And then I got through like, I literally got through two chapters and I was just like, I couldn't. And then I talked to someone else who I remember had initially recommended this series to me. And there's actually like a, a sequel series that's like separate, but it's like within the same universe um that apparently people like better so i'm like i i feel like i've already started shadow and bone so i should like finish this series it's only three books and then get to the next one but i'm like i don't really want to get to the next one <laughs> so well, you have freedom of choice yeah i mean i my goal <laughs> for this year is to like really read a lot more so i'm hoping that i can maybe do both in 2022 you hear that no? listeners that means our big ultra media moment for next year is going to be all about books get ready i would love that maybe not you but i love books i love reading it's so much fun i like books i read a couple okay well tell us that was all i had for my reads of this year so Word. you go ahead and tell us what you read this year well i i mean i guess i could tell you what i read but i okay what i read i read Half of the overstory, which won the Pulitzer a couple years ago, I thought it was beautifully written, but it was just really dense. And I felt like I picked up what the book was putting down in half of it. Like, I get it. We're connected to the planet and trees and shit. 
But anyway, so I read half of that, but it's a pretty long book. I read On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vong, which is also beautifully written. Um, I read They Both Die at the End, which was good. That's supposed to be coming a show, apparently, maybe, but it was queer. So I like that. But the thing I enjoyed the most, I actually just finished recently. Like I think maybe right before Thanksgiving when Nick and I were in New York in early October, I picked up a book, which I read after, well, it's not really a book. It's a collection. You'll, you'll hear in a second. So as some of you might know, Keith Haring is like my absolute favorite artist. I love him. Um, and this year I was trying to commit more about learning about his life. So I read like the little like life of the artist blue book, which is like a hundred pages. Um, that was cool. But the thing that was really awesome to read was actually his journals. So that's what I bought in New York was a published collection of his journals from like 1979 oh, to a few nice. months before his death. Yeah. yeah um, that was really interesting to comb through from his point of view. Um, and there are like, there were some periods of his life where he was just journaling like out the wazoo for like almost every day. And then there was large gaps of years where he didn't journal. So it's kind of interesting um, to follow it in that sense. But yeah, that was, that was cool. I love, and I keep, I keep thinking, especially after all I've learned, I'm like, Oh, his life would make for such a great, like mini series if it was really done right. Cause he, he led such an interesting life and he's such an interesting person in terms of what he believes in relation to art. So I would love to see that someday. There'd be lots of gay sex in it too, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then maybe you're the one to make it. Maybe, but anyway, yes, I guess. Wow. I guess that concludes this episode. I'm we are at two hours and seven minutes. Wow. You know what y'all I'm not sorry because we talked about things we're passionate about. I've been looking forward to this episode for like a couple weeks, if not longer. (laughs) And it was really fun. The time has kind of flown by even when we were talking about books. Um, Okay. Whatever, bro. You spent like an hour talking about movies. I know. I'm just kidding. No hate on books. They're fundamental reading is fundamental as RuPaul says oh not her winding up a punch Um, (laughs) but yeah uh I'm sorry other forms of media we didn't touch on I'm pretty sure neither of us saw any like theatrical performances this year uh yeah gag me with a spoon I would not (laughs) um I I like the theater but I'm thoroughly traumatized so yep same uh I played a shit ton of video games this year but none of them were from 2021 so that's why I didn't feel like talking about them um Oh, okay. Righteous. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we should go because wow, this is long. And I hope people don't complain about it because it's a great episode. So shut up. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Um, and we'll be back next week with our regular format and it'll be shorter. So then you can listen to that and be happy. Anyway, love you guys. Have a good night. You gotta you guys say have a good night. Oh, have a good night. Sorry. Yeah. Bye. Bye.